0: Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that this word transforms the way we think. It changes the way we think. Our minds are being transformed into uh, understanding of the one who is in us, the seed the incorruptible seed who is in us, Christ Jesus. And we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you that with a renewed mind and the power of the resurrection within us, we can dominate and rule the nature of our flesh, which still has that fallen nature in it. We thank you, Father, that we are not helpless and hopeless. Holy Spirit, you are our teacher. Lead us and guide us into all truth by your word today. We believe you for utterance and boldness to speak as we ought to speak in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to go to Philippians chapter 2, I'm going to start in verse number 14. It says this, do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. How many know we're in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation? Actually, that's been since man uh, sinned, and it's not going to change. If you actually look through the different dispensations through the scriptures, um. To where we currently are, every dispensation has been God did something, man screwed it up, and God has to redeem man. And or included in that is judge the situation, and so and that's where we're headed again, just like before. And in every generation, even from Adam, there has been salvation. Now there has not been born again. We're we're the we're the dispensation of being born again, but even in the Old Testament, all. Um, uh, every, every dispensation in there had salvation through faith. Um, uh, one way or another, it just they, weren't, they were saved, they just weren't born again. So we live in a crooked and perverse generation, and it is easy if we don't control our flesh and control our thoughts to actually become conversational with it. It's easy to just fill your mouth with what's going on around you and how you feel. It's easy to do, but strong believers control that and live from their spirit, not from their uh, from their flesh. And the main, you know, if you, if you want more understanding on that, and we'll continue to look at this and grow in this area, but Galatians chapter five is the best breakdown of spirit and flesh that uh, that I've found. Now you'll find the principle all through the epistles, but, the, but that portion of scripture, y- you realize this, that the desires of your flesh are not redeemed yet, okay, so sometimes people are like, oh, I had a, you know, you know I've, uh, <laughs> well, let's just do this, let's go over to the Galatians real quick, and then we'll get back to this, but I just want to show you this just real briefly here. So the desires of your flesh, the works of the flesh, or the desires of the flesh are evident. This is verse, Galatians 5, 19. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, watch, and the like. That is everyone's flesh in here right now. I'm not saying you're yielding to it. I'm saying if you let your flesh go, they'll, it'll do all that. You say, well, I'm a Christian. Yep, as a Christian. You'll do it. This book was written to Christians. Read through Corinthians. You know, sometimes I heard a minister say this one time. He said, he said I used to think the world can sin until I got in the church and became a pastor. And it is that way. The church is full of good sinners. (laughs) They are. And 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 that's, you know, you're uh, thankfully, our salvation in going to heaven is completely dependent on our faith in what Christ did. But I will say this: your salvation concerning here and what you experience is dependent, and for me as well, dependent on the level that I walk in the fruit of the Spirit. And I will say this, and I can. Well, I, I don't have time to teach on that, but we're teaching on portions of it. <clears throat> I believe there's a huge danger in yielding to the flesh in that your flesh, according to these the description of what it is, will lead you to the denial of Christ if you let it. If there's a if there's not a uh and that that shouldn't be something that, you know, as as believers, as those that are secure in their salvation and growing and being discipled, that's not something that just you slip on a banana peel and it happens, you know what I mean? It's not like some silly little, uh, oops, I guess I lost my salvation today, you know? No, this is, you know, with people in this group that are honest with themselves, you know where your heart is and you know what you're yielding to or not. And you know where you're at with the Lord. Now, I'm, but this is always my concern with the, uh, the uh, and I'm going to say this, I think you'll understand, but the greasy grace message is that they have this idea of, well, we could just yield to our flesh. You are playing with fire, and I'm not going to go there with you. There, there is no, you, you know, and, and the, the flip side of, the, or the, the other side of this coin in, in all of this, or I should say the other side of the mountain in all of this, is that we know we didn't get saved by our own works. We understand that. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, I'm talking about not shortening your life, fulfilling your call, fulfilling what God has called you to do, all of those things developing spiritually and walking out the purposes of God in the earth as a good witness for the Lord, which is a separate thing from whether or not you're going to heaven. If you yield to the flesh enough, you'll get to heaven before you're supposed to. It'll happen. And we can do it in all sorts of areas. And people say, well, that's difficult. Welcome to the fun. See, I am one, and I've realized this in myself, that especially in America and in the the American church that I've seen in just being in church, we're always looking for an easy button. And some of them just ain't easy. And most of the time, what people, what believers mean by, or what I mean by that, or what I've seen is, basically what it boils down to, spiritual development kills your flesh. And a lot of times, as believers, we're so identify, our our identity is so towards, and we have not developed the discipline and the slavery of the flesh by the power of the resurrection within us, that we're, we're so in identification with who we are in the flesh that we don't want to mess with it because it hurts too bad. It's the same thing with exercise. The other day, Ian, because he's at home for school, hit one of his things is exercise. And so he's doing the exercise machine. He's like, Dad, Dad, my lungs are burning. <laughs> and that's the nature of the flesh. If you go long enough, they'll stop right it's the way it is with me too it's the same thing and this is that's natural but everybody can identify with that if you haven't done anything real physical for a while and then you go to do it your body is going to tell you we're going to die and you should keep working out going yes you are (laughs) sucker. i'm gonna gonna kill you In other words, you stop that dominance of that flesh. And so in the area, and this is the thing, if you read down, you'll see, this is why you feel like you have multiple personality disorder as a believer, because if you read through all these, and then you get into verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. In other words, you have opposite forces working at all times in you. Nobody wanted to run on that one or shout. I just, you... It's not going away. So develop the fruit over the flesh. Kill the flesh. One of the things that will help you is getting an understanding of this and having it in your mind. Well, I feel like killing people. That's totally normal according to Galatians (laughs) chapter 5 verse 20, 20. yeah, murders. You know, new believers will do this. Well, I just feel like getting drunk. I guess I'm not saved. No, you're just carnal and a baby, and you need to understand that the nature of your flesh, your flesh is so stupid, and so is mine, that it will do something that it knows didn't work before, that led you to Jesus, thinking you'll get a different result. <laughs> That's how dumb in my flesh is. Say, praise the Lord, someday we're going to get a new body. (laughs) But it ain't today. You know, people get in this, they're like, they get in a contradiction within themselves and they're like, I need counseling. You just need spiritual understanding. If you overwork your flesh and develop it and don't develop your spirit and you don't live a repentant, humble life, you'll get your flesh so strong and in tune with your mind, it'll almost feel like you're not even born again. But you are. People say, well, what about, you know, I mean, if you want to see a good picture of it, just read through the Corinthians. You had a group of people that were just so, their minds were so uh, carnal, and they yielded to their feeling and emotions so much that they got drunk at communion, they'd you know, one guy took his fa- his mother or his father's wife. That's weird. You don't think that's weird? I think that's really weird. <laughs> but you got to remember, this is a group of people that worshipped gods, and how they worshipped gods was they all went to the temple and had prostitutes and all sorts of stuff. It was a culture, listen to this, that believed marriage was for procreation and the other was just for fun wonder if we live there still. Nothing has changed. They, we sit in the world and, and people, you know, the news media, they'll look, they have all this money. And, they, and these doctors present things like, we have discovered that a woman can be a man. No, you haven't. It's been around forever. It's the nature of sin. Transgenderism is not new here. We just have more medical science to make things happen that shouldn't. We have more knowledge of it. The sin has been around forever. Every sin that is trying to be driven forward in America right now has already been done. Nothing new under the sun. And it all boils down to the heart of man. It always will. So as believers, as those that are disciples, as those that want to grow spiritually, part of what we're going to have to control, let's go back over to Philippians, Is and what we are going to control is what how we uh deal in day to day and a lot of the 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 strongest and i say this over and over and i'm going to continue to because it's too true the strongest most developed believers i know are just steady they know how to rejoice when it's time to rejoice they know how to mourn when it's time to mourn but they're not like this all the time well i don't You know, all over the place. You, and, and people say, you know, sometimes they think, well, well, uh, you know, uh, uh, I know people that are that up and down all the time, but, but how do you know that somebody's truly mature in the natural? You know, if you're 50 and you're as emotional as a 10-year-old, something's not right. In the natural, we read these things, and we go, yep, it's this way. In fact, Jesus rebuked the religious and the, and the people of his day. He said, you look to the clouds and you say, today it's going to rain. And tomorrow, or, or today it's going to be sunny or whatever. And you read and understand the natural times. How is it that you don't understand spiritual truths? And so I don't want to be in that position. So spiritual truths and spiritual maturity must be recognizable and readable. It must be measurable. And so when you start looking at spiritual maturity, that's when your lungs start burning. Because you haven't worked out in a while in an area. And you start going, "Oh, oh, this feels not so good. But just keep going. Your lungs will adjust. Right? Your lungs will adjust. And so that's what we see here. This is what Paul's saying. It's the same principle here in Philippians with complaining. You can take it all the way back to, and I don't know if complaining was specifically mentioned. It probably is in one of those words, in the deeds or the desires of the flesh. But remember it says, and the like. So in other words, Paul said the list is too long, etc., etc. 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 Dot 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 dot. But anything outside of the fruit of the spirit. That, you, that I'm responding to or expressing, we know is a deed of what? The flesh and the natural, right? So this is where spiritual growth happens. This is where it takes place. So we are to do, so why write to the Philippians, do all things without complaining and disputing? It must be, it must be possible. <laughs> okay, let me ask you this. And this will keep us busy every day. This is what I'm finding out. The Lord's really good at keeping me busy. And keep being aware of how I'm living. On what day did Jesus complain when he was here? What, What day did he complain? In the process of being crucified, when did a complaint come out? I'm talking about, you know, like what we know as complaining. Never did. So, now, what do you say? Well, that's the Son of God. Yes, you're right. But why did he do what he did? He did it for you and me, right? But not just to show us that he was the Son of God, but to impart the nature that gave him the victory into us so that we could grow and develop in that, correct? So that we could live in that. By His power for our good and what His glory, not that we, not so that we could become God. You know, there's weird teaching out there, but we are sons and daughters of God, right? Per His own mouth, we're we're. In a, there's no openings for application in the deity. I would like to be the fourth member of the god no we're still in the we we are the ones that still need to develop and mature god has showed us in his grace and redeemed us out of the nature that we're in and showed us how to live the life that we're supposed to live and there is the principle like paul said i forget those things that are behind and in other words i've made mistakes in this process but my heart has been right in this and i want to keep growing and developing in this area okay So we always are going to hold that mentality, but that doesn't mean we don't look to the level that we're not walking at yet and then go towards that. We are to press on, right, toward the mark. So there's a mark, how many have done that with your kids? I don't think we ever did, mark on the wall as they're growing, you know. There's a mark that Jesus has put on the wall that you and I have not reached yet. Now, here's the thing. In seed form, you, you have the ability. But like any plant, if it isn't watered and fertilized and, and in the sun like it should be, it won't grow like it should. We can either, we can either uh, help develop or we can hinder our spiritual growth, right? I can do that, right? By yielding to stuff and not cooperating with the Lord like I should, Okay, so with this particular subject, it's the, same, it's the same principle. So do all things without complaining and disputing, that we may be, become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in, a midst, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. In other words, don't live like the world lives because as you live from your nature within, you're a witness. Okay? Okay holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. In other words, even at the end of that, Paul goes, you know, I don't want to get to the end of this thing and have put all this time into you and you don't do anything with it. Nothing more irritating to a leader. (laughs) Somebody say amen because it's true or oh me, one or the other. All right, it's, it's the case. How many have been the boss of somebody, and you see potential in them, and they have it, but they just won't do it? Well, that's, that's frustrating. It feels like vain labor. And that's not a sin, right? That's not a sin to, to have that because you know. It's, it's actually an expression of love because you know the potential that's there. But in our culture, it's, you hurt my feelings, No, your mom didn't spank you enough. All right, I'm not going to go there. All right, so complaining means murmuring, grudging, grumbling, secret debate, secret displeasure not openly avowed, and to mutter. A secret debate among people means displeasure or complaining in private rather than in public. Mutter means a complaint uttered in a low and indistinct sound. Grumbling means a continuous, full, and low-pitched throbbing sound. We are to do all things without complaining and avoid discontent and dissension. Murmurings is an onomatopoetic. That's a big word that basically means the word in which the sound resembles its meaning. (laughs) So, in other words, <laughs> like I heard Keith Moore this years ago, he taught on something like this, this was years and years ago, <clears throat> and he taught on this, and he said, you know, he was talking about grumbling and how it destroys faith, because that's where we're going to end up seeing this, and he said, uh, you know, people wake up in the morning, oh, my alarm didn't go off, grumble, grumble, grumble. And then they go look in the mirror and their hair, my hair never does what it's supposed to, grumble, 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 grumble. And they do this all day. It's a low, indistinct, (laughs) but see the bigger issue is like for me or for anybody is simply this, it's an attitude that's working in me and it's not Holy Spirit attitude. And it produces a a result. It produces a result, right? Produces a harvest. So the scripture says, be ye what? Thankful. Right? So murmuring refers to undertone mumbling and is constantly used in the Septuagint for the prolific murmuring of the Israelites in the wilderness when they journeyed from Egypt to Canaan. Disputing means doubtful discussion. The thinking of a man within himself, a deliberating question about what is true, discussion of doubts. This is dealing with the meditation of doubts. What we meditate will become our conversation. What are the private conversations you are having with yourself and with others? We are to do all things without disputing. So in other words, what do you mean by doubt? Unbelief, right? So anything that you're siding in with that's outside the word of God. Now, that is a big statement, so you want to make sure you know the word, right? Because it's anything outside the word of God, all right? So, um, do all things without murmurings, grumbling, muttering in a low voice, and disputing, Um, criticism, or skeptical questionings, all right? So, you, you have a heart toward yourself to believe, and you have a heart towards others. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Remember, we talked about new worship songs. Because all of our worship songs are supposed to come from the Word. So what if we started singing this on a Sunday morning? But with most of them, God, you were not well pleased. So you scattered their bodies in the wilderness. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody shout, come on. <laughs> So, Paul says to the church, to you and me, don't be unaware. Don't be unaware. And we talked about this. Why write this to the Corinthian church? Most people today ignore this passage because they're under grace. That's odd. You know, I know the author of 1 Corinthians was Paul. And I know nobody more wrote more about grace than Paul. And yet in the midst of that, apparently Paul's understanding of grace includes this. That'll put a little spark in you, won't it? Especially if your heart's right. Be aware. So sometimes people do this because, and, and it's, it, it's, the, it's actually the nature of the flesh that takes over. Anytime they're challenged to go higher, they get offended. And everybody feels it. I feel it. But when you're walking in the spirit and somebody, you recognize somebody calls you out on something, and that's what Paul's doing here with the Corinthian church. He's saying, look, guys, you, all this nonsense you got going on, you know it's not right, and you better change or else. Right? That's what he's saying, Right? He's dealing with carnality, sin issues in the Corinthian church. Why? Well, it's because Paul's a dictator. He's just a leader that's got to be right all the time. And he's got to go tell everybody what to do. Well, why do you got to bring that up? Because that's the nature of the flesh and the American church to a large degree. They don't want to be, you can't tell me anything. Nobody can tell me anything. Or they judge the motivation of the minister as evil. Well, you're saying that uh, ministers' motivations can't be evil. That's not what I'm saying. They can be. But that's not my job. My job is to believe the best, hear the word, and if the word is coming, I'm to yield to it. No matter the vessel that it comes through. Right? Right? If if you're hearing the legitimate word of God and it's within context of God and his character and his nature and the words are being given to you or me, it doesn't matter the color of the vessel, the nationality of the vessel, the gender of the vessel. It doesn't matter if you're thirsty for water, you don't go up to somebody who has a big old blue cup of water and go, I don't drink out of blue cups. So you're going to go ahead and dehydrate and die because of the color of the cup. No, my job isn't to judge the cup. My job is to receive the truth and as I receive the truth and understand the truth, then apply it to my life. And that's what Paul's doing here. He's saying, look guys, Pay attention. You do remember that in the Old Testament, when the Israelites didn't obey the Lord like they were supposed to, keep their focus on the promise and respond in obedient faith to what he said, that a bunch of them died out there. So why write it? Because it's a reality that we face. Well, I don't want to face that reality. You will whether you want to or not. It's <laughs> the way the system's set up. Nobody gets out of this. Everybody, at one point or another, gets to go to the whip and post to heaven. I've been there lots. <laughs> and I'm sure I'll get more opportunities. And what do I know? That the Lord, what? Disciplines those he it beats being fatherless any day of the week i don't want to be fatherless that's you say why do you say that that's the, that's the next part of that verse i don't want to be illegitimate and and i've said this before and maybe you like it maybe you don't but it's just the reality of where i'm at i have a little fear about it <laughs> right i do and I keep it, I don't know how to describe it other than that happens when I'm reading the word. Verse 6, now these things became our what? Examples to the intent that we should what? Not lust after evil things as they also lusted. So Paul is telling us by the Holy Spirit that this was recorded as an example for us today. So that we could read after them and learn not to, what not to do. How many know that's a good idea? The grace of God is not a license to do what we want without consequence. It's an empowerment for the person whose heart is ever pursuing God in genuine faith. Grace empowers the believer whose heart is holy after God. Grace empowers us to stop evil lusts from leading our lives. That's what it does. All right. So, verse 7 says this, And do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and they rose up to what? Play. So, so, do you know what idolatry is? Idolatry is me creating a God around the desires of the lusts of my flesh. Do you know, early church, in the, in the like Ephesians, Corinthians, 1 and 2 Corinthians, those groups that Paul went to minister to, all the gods they had were gods they invented because they fulfilled the desires or lusts of their flesh. So they made up these gods that fulfilled the desires of their lusts. So I want a god the way I think he should be, so I'm going to create a god to the drinking of alcohol. Now... How far have we evolved today? We've come so far. Nope. Same debauchery, same lusts, same carnal stuff dominates in this society as much as it did in any other one. Always. I'm going to create a God that is to the and then we come, up with, we come up with reasonable ideas of why it's okay. Instead of going back to the Word. So idolatry. This tells me that, a, that Christians, that you or I could become an idolater if we don't watch our life. This wasn't written to sinners. It was written to Christians. Brother Hagin used to say this to us. He, started, he was drinking Coca-Cola when he was young. But he found... That the more, that he, as he drank he, in this process, he found like he needed the Coke, the Coca Cola. So he stopped drinking it, and he never drank it again, the rest of his life. Why? He said, "I don't want anything to control me." Because it, it this this is people are like, Rick's going to get more emails on sean preaching nicer messages okay so um, i can this tells me as a christian that i can become the person who lives to eat drink and play instead of read fellowship and pray now watch you can take either side of those is it wrong to go play no you say well what's the answer then be led led have the holy, let the word of God and the Holy Spirit lead you in everything. There are those <clears throat> who refuse Christianity and take on a distorted, distorted versions of faith because they are able to indulge the desires of their flesh in those belief systems. That's what this tells me. That's another thing that this tells me. There are those that do this because they, they don't want to give up their idolatry. Now, here's the thing. The word of God is very excellent at getting right to the chase. Have you ever noticed that? It is that sword that just divides straight down the middle of you. And there's no, there's no like, you can't confuse what the Lord is saying. But what does happen is the word of God penetrates all the way to my heart. And then once it's there, there's my will as well. And I'll make a decision one way or another. And it'll be evidence for me or against me one way or the other. And that's what the word of God does. Verse 8, nor let us commit sexual immorality. Why do you have to tell that to Christians? Because they are, till today. Even even outside of uh, at the actual physical act of these things between two people, we have plenty of things available via TV, internet, and all sorts of other stuff, and that's the same thing. Because the Lord said, if you do it in your heart, don't you love it? Is that people say, well, my flesh desires to go that way. Shut your flesh up and down. You know what I mean by that, right? <laughs> shut it up and shut it down. Why well, just feel this so strong. You don't have to follow what you feel. Every person has the ability, Christian, Christian especially, but even unbelievers have the ability to control themselves. So he says, let us not commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day, what? <laughs> why point that out? Why? I mean, why? Why do that? It's a warning. Pay attention. 23,000 people died in one day. Verse 9, Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. To tempt Christ means to see how far one can go in stretching God's patience before experiencing his judgment. Ananias and Sapphira are prime examples of people who agreed to test the spirit of the Lord. Acts chapter 5 verse number 9. Peter said, why have you agreed to test the Spirit of the Lord? And you'll notice that's under the New Testament, the New Covenant. Amen? Some Corinthians, it is clear, were testing God by compromising with idolatry. So is Paul being mean bringing these things up, or is he trying to redeem them from destruction? Guys, do you remember what Paul said about the guy who took his father's wife? He said, we have, I have turned him over to, for the destruction of his, which means God doesn't destroy your flesh. Satan does. You say, why would he turn him over? That his spirit, soul, yeah, it's that word, might be what? Saved. Which means he didn't lose his salvation in the midst of what he was doing. But what does that tell me? Let me go back to that statement I made at the beginning. I believe the more you yield to the flesh, the, the, the better the chances are you'll reject Christ. So what does God do? Pulls the protection off so that your flesh is exposed to the enemy. The enemy that can then grab hold of, but yet the spirit of man will still, still go to heaven, even though the natural length of days, as far as promise is concerned, is shortened for the physical. But eternity is preserved. Because which does God care about more? He knows at the end of this what's going to take place. He knows that at the end of all this, he'll raise that body up that the person was using for fornication or adultery, and it won't have that temperament anymore in it, so he won't have to deal with that. But what's more important to the Lord? My physical flesh and my days here on earth, or my eternity? Clearly my eternity. It has to be. It's the longer of the two. (laughs) Right? It's the longer of the two. Okay, so don't tempt Christ. Living outside the empowerment and boundaries of grace will tempt Christ. As believers, it is imperative that we maintain an honest heart before God. The Lord is not able to help the person who refuses truth. He cannot. People say, well, the Lord will do what he's going to do. No, he'll do what you allow him to do. He's still going to be God. He's not going to change. But whatever I allow him to do and the areas that I allow him to touch in my life will be the areas that I allow him or that are dealt with. So if there's a portion of my life where I say, that hurts too bad to touch that, Lord, don't touch it, he won't. But I still will suffer the consequences of me not being open in the relationship with him or being naked before him or having a relationship. Like Paul said, I'm talking about husbands and wife, but I'm talking about Christ in the church. So in other words, to the degree that I am vulnerable to the Lord will determine the degree that I walk in the resurrection. Whew, that is not in the notes, but that sure helped me. So in other words, there are times where I'm reading my Bible, and I know you guys have experienced this too, and you read through and you go, are you serious? (laughs) And the Lord's going, Sean, listen to me. I want to save you. And I'm going, Lord, we're already dealing with, and he's going, Sean, stop whining. I am not talking to you about something that I will not empower you to do. You're right. He said, so believe me, boy, quit doubting. Right. We're faith people (laughs) at Faith Family Church. (laughs) Verse 10, nor what? Nor complain, murmur, whatever you're... translation, as some of them also complained and were by the, they were destroyed by the destroyer. So what does that tell me? That complaining opens the door to the destroyer. That's what it tells me. (laughs) Wonderful word, right? Okay. Israel had a history of grumbling. Paul warns the Corinthians not to complain. One instance of complaining which had a twofold effect was when Korah rebelled in challenging Moses' leadership. That's in Numbers 16, verse 1 through 35. If you want to see some of the things God can do with his power. People mostly prefer paralytics getting up, but he can do other things. (laughs) God's judgment came in the form of a chasm opening up and swallowing Korah and those associated with him. Now, I want you to see this. Stop now. For just a second, they were destroyed by the destroyer, right? And so were their families. I Whatever I do has a downward role. It has a downward effect. Well, I don't want to think about that. Me neither. It makes me cry. It's truth nonetheless. I'm going to stand there and take it. Because I do not want to go to hell. Well, it's not that serious. Well, it is to me. So I'll let you do. I'll let you do with you. <laughs> you know, I'm like Paul. Paul writes to Timothy, and we looked at this last week. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, talks to him about the soldier, the the athlete, and the farmer, right? And then he says, The Lord will reveal to you what you need to know. So I do this. Lord, I commit them to the grace of God. Whatever you're talking to them about, do it. If what I'm saying doesn't fit for you that relates to me where I'm at, then find what the Lord's dealing with you about in what's being said. Spend time with the Holy Spirit yourself and let him talk to you. But as for me, it is what it is. All right, so I'm growing more and more. All right, so a chasm opened up. They were all killed. Subsequent complaining by the people over the incident resulted in another 14,700 additional persons dying by a plague. So you got to love this. People want to walk around and pretend like they're deceived, right? Especially in our day-to-day. But these people come before Moses in rebellion, not submitting to the authority that... Moses didn't want to be the leader of the group. God picked him. What are you going to do with that? Moses is going to go, oh, you're right. You people are right. I don't want to lead either. So I'm going to disobey God because you don't like me. Uh, that sounds like a clear path to hell. I think I'll pass. I'll let people reject me and keep doing what God told me to do because I have to stand before him. Amen. So, in the midst of this, not only do these people watch the earth open up and swallow everything, and they go back home and gripe about it. Now, if all their brains were dynamite, and it all went off at once, it wouldn't be enough power to blow their nose. In other words, that's dumb. (laughs) I hope I'm not that dumb. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're, you're at the church service, and this whole section, whoop! And you go home and go, you know, Moses, I can't believe he buried all those people at once like that. It's not our fault, not my fault, it's their fault. And that's the thing that gets me in massive trouble if I don't do what I'm supposed to. You'll be glad to know I've never prayed these verses for the church. Okay, so, a second complaining event occurred in Numbers 14, which which we will observe later in the teaching, which records complaining in general, which resulted in the Lord's pronouncement that only Joshua and Caleb of that generation would enter Canaan, while the rest would perish in the desert. In other words, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, their bodies were scattered in the desert. Complaining does what? It stops me from fulfilling the full destiny that God has for me. The prophetic word over my life will not come to pass. I don't care who spoke it. I don't even care, their, I don't even care how famous they are. And I've had famous people call me out. And so, there was a point in my life where every famous preacher that came through called me out. I'm t- I could give you names of people that you know. That called me out, called Heidi out, and said such and such over your life. And guess what? none of it can come to pass if i live here well god said it so it's going to happen no matter what there is a truth overarching that works with that but then there's not a truth there is another truth that in the individual of each person because god has destined every man to be born again and not every man is going to be born again i i use man as mankind if you understand right So what do we see in this complaining? We see, whew, it could get you in trouble. So what do we have to do? Lord, help us by your grace. We yield to you. We, in the morning, this is what, like Paul, Romans 12, I present my body to you, a living sacrifice. Every day. Every single day. Every day. What did Paul say? I die daily, take up your cross and follow me. Yeah, you gotta do it every that's what I've found with me, at least. Because like Mark Hankins said, it's it's no good if I'm mean in English, if I pray in tongues, but I'm mean in English. In other words, even if I prophesy, move mountains, give money to the poor, they, the people that I minister to, will be blessed. But the scripture says in the first three verses of 1 Corinthians 13 that it will profit me nothing. Another translation says you'll become a useless nobody. Hmm. I'd like to avoid that. That's Sean. What is he? A useless nobody. But he can preach good la-dee-da. It'll bless somebody, but I don't, for me personally, I don't want to become that. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.